Hello, everyone. I'm Bobby Franklin, and welcome back to NVCA's podcast called Venture Capital, where there's an O in capital, as in Capitol Hill, where NVCA advocates for policies that support the U.S. startup ecosystem. In this episode, we're going to talk about a federal program called the State Small Business Credit Initiative, or SSBCI. SSBCI was recently reinstated with $10 billion in funding as part of the American Rescue Plan that can be used either for debt or equity investment programs. In this episode, you will hear from VCs on how SSBCI has the potential to unlock significant capital for VC investment, particularly in emerging ecosystems and with underrepresented communities. But first, we need to talk about the challenges startups and entrepreneurs face in the middle of the country. My first guest leads a think and do tank focused on improving economic performance in the center of the United States. I want to welcome to the program Heartland Ford President and CEO, Ross Duvall. Thanks for joining us, Ross. Bobby, uh, I'm glad to join you and represent Heartland Forward. Well, it's great to have you here. And, you know, for our listeners that aren't familiar with Heartland Forward, how does your organization help states in the heartland of America improve their economic futures? We call ourselves a think and do tank because we not only conduct research, but we have policy recommendations that we worked to help leaders implement. And then we also have programming elements that we work with in very specific areas. So that's kind of a broad brush of of what we're doing. And we're different because we don't stop with the research, but we look at the policy implications and try and help leaders in implementing many of our suggestions. What are the biggest economic challenges facing states in the middle, middle of our country? And sort of why is that the case? Overall, If you look at educational attainment or skill-based analysis, especially in STEM areas, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, uh, most of the heartland states, many of them in the southern heartland, have tended to underinvest in those areas. There's some longstanding reasons for that being the case. Kind of a lack of emphasis on the importance of entrepreneurial activities, building entrepreneurial ecosystems, advocating for those that want to have an idea that could potentially turn it into a company that might start, and then scaling it up, access to early stage venture capital. The Heartland has probably placed too much emphasis on what some might call smokestack chasing or recruiting manufacturing activities. Not that that shouldn't be part of development, but just not focusing enough on that entrepreneurial capacity building. Maybe talk a little bit more about how startup activity really impacts economic activity in the states? In the research project that we undertook, we used a relatively new data set that allowed us to really examine kind of under the hood a bit better. And what it allowed us to do was to calculate the share of total private sector employment that young firms represented. So firms five years of age or less in terms of what their share of the overall private sector employment. And we kind of refer that as kind of main street entrepreneurship because it includes all types of entrepreneurship. And you can clearly see a differential in those communities across the country that are able to start and scale up those firms. And that's those two are kind of a measure of the entrepreneurial ecosystem. There's many other ways to do that, but they're very direct measures. And it really does boost growth. If you really want to 
close the gap with performance at the coasts. A missing element in many heartland communities has been this focus on building these entrepreneurial ecosystems where you have mentors, you have people who have started companies before, they're serial entrepreneurs, they might help with early stage financing, angel investing, and eventually, you know, all the way to securing venture capital as they're trying to scale up their firms. Ross, let me ask you this. Uh, I sit in Washington, D.C. You and I have had the good fortune to, to be with each other both here in D.C. as well as in your office in Northwest Arkansas, my home state. What should policymakers in Washington do to help enhance opportunities for growth in the heartland? And what it gets back to is kind of the philosophy around people-based versus place-based economic development and, and trying to help those. Do you try to help people regardless of, of where they're based? I mean, one of the great frustrations with many entrepreneurs in the heartland is obtaining access to venture capital. And it's a complicated process. Like I lived in California for 20 years. I, I studied Silicon Valley and many other technology clusters. And two things need to happen. One, we need to get more of those coastal VCs to venture out into the heartland. I think they're open to that. I mean, I've seen, you know, lots of pitching being done over Zoom and Microsoft Teams, but you have to build relationships and you have to do that in person. I think overall, uh, the venture capital community seems much more open to looking at companies in the center of the country. I mean, knowledge and capacity is not just focused on the coast. You, there's lots of talented human beings in the heartland as you know, many entrepreneurs from Northwest Arkansas have demonstrated in the past and other places here in the heartland. So this is one of the great frustrations when you talk to entrepreneurs here is getting access to that early stage capital, especially venture capital. And it's, there's no silver bullet. It's learned by doing best practices, but it's going to require some success stories in the heartland. Obviously, there are some, but we need more. Couldn't agree more. Ross Duvall, thank you so much for joining us today on Venture Capital. Ross Duvall, again, is the Heartland Ford President and CEO. Ross, look forward to working with you. Thank you, Bobby. I look forward to working with you as well. Now we turn to the SSBCI program. To talk about how SSBCI works is NVCA Manager of Government Affairs, Jonas Murphy. Jonas, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Bobby. Look forward to the conversation. So, Jonas, first of all, what is SSBCI and why should VCs care about this program? So, SSBCI was actually first created in 2010 as part of the Recovery Act. At that time, it was funded with $1.5 billion and it was successful in um, increasing access to capital for traditionally underserved businesses and, and entrepreneurs. The second iteration of this program was, as you mentioned, created as part of the American Rescue Plan in spring 2021, and um, it was uh, funded with $10 billion, so a significant increase in capital from the first iteration of the program. And this capital will soon begin flowing through to entrepreneurs and startups across the country. Each state will receive a minimum of $56 million allocated by formula, and it's across three tranches. Treasury has just approved the, the first 14 states under SSBCI, which will soon begin implementing the, their programs on a state level. And we're pleased that actually almost all of these states will have equity capital programs. And we've heard that nearly every state across the nation is planning on implementing at least one equity capital program as part of their overall SSBCI program. And so from NBCA's perspective, SSBCI has the potential to really unlock significant capital for VC investment across direct co-investment and, and fund investing strategies. 
particularly in, in these emerging ecosystems and underrepresented communities that are not traditionally seen a lot of venture investment. This capital is intended to help solve for inefficiencies and financing gaps that are characteristic of many of these emerging ecosystems and ultimately intended to catalyze greater investment opportunities in these communities. So we're excited. We're really optimistic about the program's potential. Jonas, that's a lot of information about a great program. Talk about how NVCA has engaged in this SSBCI 2.0, as we like to call it. Yeah, so we've been engaged with SSBCI 2.0 from early on in the process, shortly after the, the American Rescue Plan was signed into law. We initially engaged with the Treasury Department around the regulatory process. Essentially, Treasury sets the national program guidelines for states to follow in, in implementing their SSBCI programs. And um, we began conversations with Treasury early on in, in April or May 2021 to really help them understand the VC investment model and, and market standards um, in an effort to ensure that the guidelines mapped onto these as closely as possible. We were concerned that if the guidelines were overly restrictive or, or weren't written with an understanding of how the industry operates, then many emerging VCs could be inadvertently locked out of the program. And so maybe two examples to help illustrate these efforts. We recommended that Treasury match the market standard for management fees. As smaller funds get particularly squeezed by the lack of management fees, with, with many going years with, uh, without a salary to build their businesses. SSBCI 1.0 offered below market management fees, which limited the ability of emerging managers to participate. In SSBCI 2.0, we're pleased that the guidelines ultimately allowed for 1.71% average of program funds to be used for management fees, with flexibility for fees to be higher in earlier years, so long as the average is, is that 1.71% over 10 years. Additionally, we recommended that Treasury create a 90-day safe harbor post-first close to count the funds that can apply towards the one-to-one -one financing ratio requirement. We were pleased that Treasury, the, the guidelines did create the safe harbor so that a private investment, which occurs 90 days prior to or after an SSBCI allocation, can count towards that one-to-one -one financing ratio um, as long as the proper documentation is, is provided. Separately, we've been engaged on SSBCI education, helping increase awareness of the program among emerging managers and providing resources to help them understand the program's requirements, how to apply, who to, who to contact to learn more, et cetera. And then on the other side, we've been helping educate state economic development officials on the VC investment model and, and market standards as they'll soon begin implementing their equity programs and beginning to allocate capital to venture funds. Now, you mentioned that there are 14 states that have been approved and more will be coming. But are there any steps that emerging managers can take at this point to hit the ground running when their state's program is approved? I would start by visiting our SSPCI resources webpage, which we actually just updated with the, the 14 states that were recently approved by Treasury. This is a really great resource for emerging managers who are considering applying for SSPCI funds or just curious. It has information on approved state programs, state points of contact, links to our previous webinars on SSPCI. So I would definitely recommend checking out that resources page. I would also recommend reviewing the program guidelines to make sure that you understand the rules governing the program nationally. There are a number of certifications that investors will be required to make under the program. And um, we actually link to a document on that, that resources page that can help you understand these certifications and prepare the information that your fund will need to provide in advance. Jonas, you've talked there about the potential opportunities for the venture ecosystem from this program, but are there any potential challenges or pitfalls that emerging managers should keep in mind when considering to apply for the funds? It's very important to review the program guidelines, particularly around the reporting requirements and, and conflict of interest practices. 
this may require an investment of some time uh, to really dig in and decide whether SSBCI capital makes sense for your fund. It appears that the reporting process will be more streamlined and less cumbersome than SSBCI 1.0, but it's, it's, you know, it's still a government program and it's critical to understand the rules and requirements in advance. We're here to serve as a resource. Just one more plug for our SSBCI resources landing page. Highly recommend checking it out if you're considering applying for SSBCI funds. And please don't hesitate to reach out to me with any questions or concerns you may have. More than happy to connect and my email is linked on the landing page. Well, Jonas Murphy, thank you on behalf of the entrepreneurial ecosystem for all that you have done to make sure that this program works for investors and helps underrepresented minorities in places where we desperately need more entrepreneurship and new company formation. Jonas Murphy, NVCA Manager of Government Affairs, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Bobby. Appreciate it. My next guest is Ray Leach, founding CEO of Jumpstart, Inc., a Cleveland, Ohio-based nonprofit venture development organization. But I've known Ray a long time. Ray was on the board of NVCA when I got hired, and Ray and I also served together on the board of Venture Forward. Ray, thank you so much for joining us on Venture Capital today. Thanks, Bobby. Great to be here. So, Ray, we we want to talk about the SSBCI program, and I can think of no other person as well-qualified as you. You were part of the SSBCI program back in 2009, 2010, and you're very much a part of the SSBCI program 2.0 this year. Well, I know that you have also been a part of putting something that I think we call the SSBCI collaborative. It's NVCA and our connected organization, our supporting organization, Venture Forward, as well as Jumpstart. Talk a little bit about what we hope to do with the collaborative. Yeah, so the collaborative is the first uh, that I've come across in terms of a, a federal initiative. We're here with $9.5 billion. There's a tremendous amount of good that can happen, but there's also, that's a lot of money. So, you know, we really want to maximize the impact of those dollars and yet the venture capital industry is you know, highly concentrated in certain parts of the country, or at least traditionally has. That's evolving over time. So what we're trying to do is bring all the thought leaders and the, the connectors of the organizations across the country who are connected to the venture capital industry, either in their geography or in the special interest groups or the targeted groups that they're connected to. So we can, again, democratize, accelerate the evolution of the diversity of investors, but also, as we all know, diverse investors typically uh, have a greater proclivity or likelihood to invest in diverse founders and entrepreneurs. So the collaborative is an opportunity to bring leaders from the states, as well as these national thought leaders who have national networks to try to make sure that this money is, is deployed as effectively as possible to not just accomplish the goals of treasury, but to then democratize the industry. Well, you and I spent a lot of time thinking about that and our roles at Venture Forward. And we've had conversations even before Venture Forward was started about this. And I, I appreciate all your leadership for the industry across the board. So thank you. What advice do you have for these emerging managers that are considering applying for funds? Talk to them directly. First, every state can have a different program. So probably the first thing you need to think about is where are these states or what are the states? Where would you like to make investments? As we're recording this, there's been 14 states approved. 
$774 million of the states that have been approved are oriented to venture. And if you save 40% of that, that's over $300 million just from 14 of the 56 governmental entities that are going to get approved. So there's a huge amount of money that leaders in states are wanting to deploy in diverse companies and in emerging managers. So the first orientation is really which of the states that you're already in or that you aspire to invest in because you know, one state, Michigan versus uh, another state, Maryland, perhaps, they have different programs with different goals and objectives on the specifics. But at the same time, they do have this focus around socially and economically disadvantaged. So geography is the first place to start. Great advice. So each state's different. Some states' programs will look completely different than others. Are there some potential pitfalls or just some things to think about from the perspective of of going into this? First, any program, whether it's a state or federal program, it's going to have a set of requirements that you're going to have to meet. And so, you know, a lot of whether they're emerging managers or folks that just are contemplating this who are already in the venture business, I'm really encouraging everybody, you know, prepare to spend a day to go read the specifics of each state and what they're trying to accomplish and then solve for or contemplate what you might need to do new or different or particularly from a reporting point of view. This program is going to have greater reporting requirements than a traditional limited partner group would have. Another element is that every state's going to be looking for different layers of matching resources or or co-LP investment out of the box. And that can range from state to state. So just because you're reading one state and evaluating their program, there aren't necessarily going to be the same requirements in, in another state. So I wish there was one single place to go. Now, I will give a plug. The, the National Venture Capital Association's website has an SSBCI page. All the highlights are provided for every single entity that has been approved by Treasury. So that is the absolute first place to start. And then you can start drilling down on the geographies. Thank you for pointing that out. We're proud of the resource page that we have put together with your help and and others that are part of this. Ray, last question. When you think about the successes that were part of SSBCI 1.0 a decade ago, and you think about the opportunities here, what in your mind are some of the most positive things we'll be looking for in terms of how SSBCI can perhaps accelerate ecosystems across the country? Yeah, well, we're certainly very, very interested and are going to be keeping a close watch to see how the states are deploying the capital, where the capital is going, to whom is it going. And also what I'm hopeful for and appreciative of, particularly for an emerging manager, you know, these funds are typically smaller. I mean, the average venture fund across the U.S., across all the geographies is under 50 million, I think, at this stage. So but if you're in your very, very first fund, you know, that fund could be a 10 million, 15 million, 20 million dollar fund. So we're going to be very much attuned, given that there's this orientation around increasing the diversity, equity and access to this money, that there's more smaller funds that are funded and supported. And then the the second piece which, you know, I described the venture capital business in some ways. It certainly has a momentum and it can be logarithmic, particularly if you're starting with an early stage fund. So the top performing SSBCI programs in the last go around were generating anywhere from 35 to 40 times leverage for the taxpayer. 
So we're looking for programs that not only can bring a lot more folks into the industry and support a much broader set of companies, but also the kinds of funds that can deliver huge leverage, meaning if I had a $20 million fund that was supported with SSBCI and I invested in companies who went on to raise hundreds of millions of dollars after my investments, that's the kind of leverage that uh, the SSBCI program is looking to, to achieve. And that's very much, I think we all know, for the 45 states that don't represent 80% of the industry, that's what the country needs to stimulate economic growth. I couldn't have said it better. And as my listeners now know, I couldn't talk to a better expert about the SSBCI program. Ray Leach, Jumpstart, board member of Venture Forward, and former board member of NVCA, Thank you so much for joining us today on Venture Capital. Thanks, Bobby, and for all your leadership that the NVCA is delivering to our economy and country. Now I would like to introduce you to another great VC and a former NVCA board member, Jennifer Teagan, Managing Director of New York Ventures, a division of Empire State Development. Jennifer just spent the last four years as an NVCA board member where I got to work with her firsthand. Welcome to the show. Great. Thanks, Bobby. I'm super excited to be here and to, to talk about an exciting new program for the state of New York. Well, Jennifer, you've probably got better and more experience than anybody I know about this. You've been on both sides of the table and still, in a way, are on both sides of the table. You know, there was the SSBCI 1.0 during the Obama administration can you just tell us about maybe some success that happened during SSBCI the first time around? New York State at the time received a, f a total allocation of $55 million, and we applied 35 of the 50 to the equity programs, to this fund of funds. And we were lucky in that Goldman Sachs, through their urban investment group, provided us an additional $10 million. So our total fund of fund program was 40, about $45 million. And seven funds were selected across the state of New York. And each of those funds received an allocation of about four and a half to about $8 million, depending on you know their size, their location, their experience. I now sit within an economic development agency. We supported 81 companies and created, retained more than 2,000 jobs. So I think that was certainly seen as a good success from that standpoint. Most exciting specific success that we've had to date in that program was the fund out of Buffalo, New York, which was called Seed Capital Partners. They invested in a company that was a homegrown company called ACV Auctions. Buffalo is a Rust Belt city, right? <laughs> uh, certainly up and coming these days relative to the innovation ecosystem. But ACV Auctions was local founders, local company, and the Seed Capital Partner Group put in just under a million dollars into that company. Fast forward till March of 2021, when ACV Auctions went public as of now, has returned more than 30 times its money, our money, back. And so it was an extraordinary win, not only for Buffalo, but for, of course, New York State, for Rust Belt cities everywhere, <laughs> and, and of course, for all the investors who participated. You know, and just to overall, that, that original SSBCI program, just from investment metrics alone, we've had distributions to paid-in capital of nearly 1.8x at this point an IRR of close to 18%. 
And we still have some pretty exciting assets in that portfolio. From you know any standpoint, it was a strong performing program and fund and, and certainly helped us to develop and, and create a better and more supportive in- infrastructure in the state to help support innovators, no matter where they're located. Now, let's talk about SSBCI 2.0. So here we are, and you've, you've applied, you have it, you kind of sit on both sides of this. Talk to me about what 2.0 is, you believe, going to do better and different than 1.0. The original SSBCI 1.0 was only $1.5 billion. So to go from 1.5 to 10 it was just incredibly exciting for us. And, and so once we learned at New York State, you know, we began working almost immediately on what programs we wanted to apply, both not only on the equity side, but also on our credit and lending team side. Eventually, we figured out we were going to get a little more than half a billion dollars. I mentioned earlier, we got around $55 million for 1.0. So going from $55 million to half a billion dollars is an incredible opportunity for the state to expand the work that we've done and to continue to support not only the small businesses in, in the state, but the innovation sector as well. The team kind of got together and began to really arm wrestle around who was going to get what. And, you know, which programs were going to get the most funding. To be honest, this was just such a thrilling time for me because I had left the private sector in April of 2020, just about a year into my new role at New York State in the public sector. And and one of the reasons why I left the public sector was because I really wanted to be able to do more to have greater impact on, on the work that I was doing in the state, in my home state, and for entrepreneurs And it's all coming together. I get to create some incredible programs at this point to really make a difference and to have greater impact for innovators across the state. My current tagline is that I want any innovator, no matter where they're located, no matter what their background, in New York State who has a high growth opportunity that has a shot at success to be able to get access to capital. And so it's really what gets me out of bed every day. I'm excited and energized. So once we got the allocation information, we've applied. We got a little creative, um, which is what they encouraged us to do. But it also has slowed us down a little bit relative to getting our approval. We're in the final stages, I believe, of getting our allocation agreement from Treasury. So once that happens, we'll be hustling like crazy to get that capital out on the streets to really help make a difference. You've talked about the order of magnitude difference that this program is to the other. I guess I'm trying to think about if you imagine all those entrepreneurs scattered across New York, and we know that New York City gets a lot of venture capital funding, but New York City and Manhattan is very different than upstate New York where you live. Talk about how significant this will be for underrepresented folks, women, people of color, to be able to perhaps become investors and to be able to write checks and therefore to support entrepreneurs that more closely resemble them or are just more closer to them, geographically speaking. So we've actually got four programs that we proposed on the equity side, but the largest of those is what we did the first time, but bigger. The first program was had a bit more of a geographic focus. They were really looking to say, okay, we want to find a fund in the Albany area to support those entrepreneurs. This time, 
we're calling it our Emerging and Regional Manager Fund program. And so really it's to address the issue of emerging managers, those who are trying to raise a first or a second time fund, but are struggling to really fill out that fund um, to make sure they're getting a good shot at getting better access to capital as well as those funds who are willing to invest in a company in Potsdam, New York, right? About half of the fun, our funds program deals are in New York City. It's, it's a great place to invest. But outside of New York City, pretty much everywhere in the state, there's still a lack in access to capital. And so it's super important to us in the state of New York that we're doing more to address those by providing those emerging and regional managers an additional shot at getting access to capital. As soon as SSBCI 2.0 was announced, you can imagine that a lot of people were paying attention and getting excited. And so we have a pretty long list already of fund managers who are interested in what we're doing. And and I, I laugh, I, I have to chuckle because my, my one colleague who was at New York State on the lending side when the first program was launched, he's like, you just wait, Jennifer, we're going to be two of the most popular people in the entire state pretty soon, as soon as we have our money. I've talked to a number of people who are already emerging manager fund-to-fund programs, and and all of them have been incredibly encouraging and supportive and helpful about our process, how we're structuring things, what we should be looking for, and also helping us to get this capital out there to the fund managers who need it. And they all have been excited as well to have additional capital available for those fund managers. Jennifer Teagan. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've given us a great perspective of sitting on both sides of the table and what the SSBCI program can and will do. And once again, thank you for your service on the NVCA board. Thanks, Bobby. It was it was great to be here, and I uh, was an honor to have served on the NVCA board. Thank you. Before we wrap up this episode of Venture Capital, I want listeners to know about an exciting new NVCA event. It's called the Board Service Excellence Forum, a one-day learning event designed in collaboration with our board of directors to provide VC investors with actionable insight and expertise to enhance effectiveness inside the boardroom of portfolio companies. New in 2022, this program features the perspectives of top VCs and entrepreneurs. The event will take place on September 15th at the Capital Factory in Austin, Texas. For more information, please visit nvca.org. Now, before we leave you, here's another fun fact. The exact origin of the seventh inning stretch in baseball is not exactly known, but the most popular story involves an American president. In 1910, President William Howard Taft went to an opening day game in Washington against the Philadelphia Athletics and just decided to stretch his legs in the seventh inning. Well, everybody assumed the president was getting up to leave, so fans throughout the ballpark stood up as well, out of respect, thus beginning the tradition of the seventh inning stretch. Again, thank you for listening to Venture Capital, a podcast brought to you by NVCA. Hope you enjoyed the show because investing in tomorrow starts with smart policies today. I'm your host, Bobby Franklin, wishing good days ahead. Bye for now.